you will, let's, let's pray together. God, thanks for this community. Thanks that they are truly my friends, that they're my family. Thanks for the way that you're moving in all of our lives, whether we see it or not. And uh, in this time, I, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that we could experience you some. That you might whisper, that you might remind us, that we might remember or see for the first time. There's a slightly clearer glimpse of who you are. Thanks your name. Amen. Well, it's good to be back with all of you. Uh, I missed you. I didn't miss you enough to come back early, but I missed you. And um, I just want to start by saying thanks. Uh, I've, like most adults, I've never had that long of a stretch to, to not work, and I realize that that's an extreme privilege and and gift. And so leadership team, thanks for uh, inviting me into that and, and gifting me that. Um, staff, thanks for covering and making sure everything worked out fine. And church, thanks for praying for us and loving us well through it. Um, it was a great time. We had a bunch of time together. I had a little adventure on my own. We'll talk about it a little bit today, and I'm sure as we're getting coffees and in conversations, we'll talk a bunch more going forward. But I just want to start by saying thanks. I, I went into this, you know, I, I've for a few years, I've talked about that there's a real gift if we'll slow down and we'll experience God that way. And there's a real gift to us asking questions and not quick grabbing for cheap, easy answers. And then when you go to take seven weeks off, you're like, oh, I can't hide behind any easy answers. And there's nothing slower than seven weeks off. And so I kind of had to see if I really believed what I'd been preaching. I do. That, that's good. There's the, the short note. I believe it more today than I did two months ago, but it was a journey getting through that. And we're going to just talk about that around a text Today, uh, I know the last few weeks you guys talked about community, particularly community in the book of Acts, and if we can just talk for a second about community, it was in the book, but I'm not going to drop it in the book of Acts. There, there's some things that happen when we're in community with each other. Uh, particularly, there's, there's like this, this crockpot effect that happens, Right? Like when you live life together, you kind of start to spill over on each other. In, and I mean that in a good way. That you season each other. And that's what happens. So we start to have some shared experiences. That's part of what makes you close to people, is if you've shared some experience. Particularly if you've shared anything that, that requires vulnerable emotion, I think. If you've gone through something that requires grief or real, like, vulnerable joy. If you cherish moments that you had with people, that becomes an experience that you're shared, and it kind of it crockpots you together. There's also shared questions that we've had a lot of this last year. Questions where we've posed semi-publicly in this space, like, okay, what do we believe of God? What do we believe 
of ourselves. This is what Slow Invasion was about about a year ago, was these, these questions that start to, like if you have a question, it starts to become my question a little bit. And we seek answers of God together. And there's also just shared challenges, right? We walk through some things, and, and you have a hurdle that becomes my hurdle. I have a hurdle that becomes yours. And that's part of the beauty of, of community. But in being in this church for, since we began it, uh, I, I definitely have been changed, and I'm very grateful for that. And, and the interesting thing is some, some of the things I was once certain of, I now look at differently. And for about 90% of those things, I'm really grateful. But there was a little pocket of stuff that I was like, huh, I kind of miss where I was. And that was a little bit of what this sabbatical was about. I had a, a desire going into it that I didn't really talk about. And my desire is I wanted God's help to remember what life was like when, when I began with God, or I began aware of God. There was part of that beginning that I miss. I was like, God, would you restore some of that? Would you remind me of some of that? There was a lot of it that was broken. There was a lot of it that was off. But God, would you just mend me some? So some of that just utter awareness of your presence returns. Some of this uh, little jaded, little cynical might lessen. Would you restore some of that? And that was part of my desire going into this, that I didn't even want to speak out loud because I didn't know how to do sabbatical and I didn't know what God would do. And I, I had all these requirements that I thought that I'm like, I'm trying to silence those and just go into this time, right? But that was what I desired. And there's a passage that stood out as I kind of thought of what God has brought me through as I re-enter into this community that isn't a passage that I think we should believe, but it comes out of my journey and, and the Holy Spirit working, us together, Scripture, all of that. It, this passage feels at home. I feel at home in the reality of these verses. I feel like, no, th- this, in the midst of everything, this feels at home. This feels like where I can belong. And so I want to share this passage. It's very familiar. You all know I pretty much always talk about passages we already know. There's not much original with me. I didn't change over sabbatical. But if you've got a, a Bible or a device, we're in Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It's up on here as well. But in here Paul writes... He is the image, talking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He Himself is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. I just want to point out a couple things that stand out to me in those verses. But first, I want to give you an opportunity to just hear them again and allow God to bring something up in your mind, in your heart, in, that stands out to you, because really, that's part of what's important, right? It's not just that you can regurgitate what stands out to me, 
but that God can speak to each of us. So let me read this over us again. I'm going to read it a little bit slower. And here's what the verses say. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If there's something that stands out to you, go ahead and make note in your phone or on your device or wherever you want. Make note of what that is. I want to encourage you to, to sit in those words a little bit this week. Ask God why those words stand out to you. But I want to share to you this morning, just for a couple minutes, a summary of a few of the things, but then the two things that really stood out to summarize my last couple months, okay? So the first phrase that comes up is that Jesus is the image of an invisible God. And for me and in my life, I have long taken comfort in the fact that this, this God who sometimes feels big and undescribable or as if our language fails that there's some clarity about looking at the historic Jesus and who Jesus was as God put on flesh and walked on this earth that he took human feet like us and walked on, like, okay, there's some of that that's relatable to me. I took great comfort in him being this visible image of an invisible God. But over the last couple weeks, particularly, I actually found great comfort in the fact that God is near and with us and yet invisible. And that might sound a little weird, and you've been with me for a while. I, I, it might fit. But I, I got the privilege of driving to Denver from, from here. It's a, it's a poke. It took a couple minutes. And uh, I didn't really have a time I had to arrive. I didn't really have a place that I was going to stop. I did it in two days. I didn't really have like a, an agenda. And I've never done something like that. You know, I've driven long distances, but you always have like a, I will be there in seven minutes. And then like no time for bathroom stops or anything like that, right? I'm very much that driver. Like we drive as a family. The kids do great. But part of the reason that they do great is we're like, okay, the map says that this is 10 hours away. We told people we'll be there in nine and a half, and we act like the car will explode if we take any longer. <laughs> but instead, on the way to Denver, I just slow rolled this thing and stopped wherever and noticed that, like, when you don't have an agenda, Kansas isn't nearly as ugly as everyone says it is. It's not nearly as boring. When you don't have anywhere to go, and you can just slow your ride down, and you don't have to get in the fast lane, it's kind of pretty. There's a lot to look at. And I, I got to go to this park that you guys have probably heard of, Garden of the Gods, near Colorado Springs. And it felt like one of those thin places that we've talked about a lot, where you just sense God with you. And I walked around there, and it wasn't like I saw God, but I feel like everywhere that I looked, I saw God. You know what I mean? 
I, I stared at this one particular tree for like 20 minutes and felt all this emotion as I just could wonder what all that tree has been through and what all we have lived through that this tree has also lived through. I'm looking at these giant, massive rocks that look like they've been about to fall for like centuries, and they haven't fallen yet. I looked at just this beautiful structure and was like, God, you, you're really big. You're really awesome. And asked some questions that I didn't have quick answers to and just walked around. If you've been to that park, you look this way and you're struck by the red rocks and beauty and you look this way and all of a sudden there, there's some beautiful trees and different structures. You look behind, like the, the entire environment, you're just surrounded by awe. And I was like, okay, God, everything that I'm hung up on is, is a bit smaller than your majesty and your beauty. And I'm really grateful. That doesn't minimize what I get tripped up by. It just maximizes how awe-inspiring our God is. Paul goes on next and says that Jesus is the firstborn. And it matters that before all of this, everything was created through him and for him. So on the way through Kansas, there's this sign that says the largest, uh, I might be getting this wrong, but it's something like the largest wilderness, wild wilderness rest stop in the West or something like that. And I was like, sure, I'm super wild. I should stop there. (laughs) And so I turn off on this thing, and then there's a sign that says Wild Bill's Statue. And I was like, who is Wild Bill? So I'd turn off and go see a statue of Wild Bill, who's a confusing gentleman. And then I stop back at the rest stop that's the biggest wild. It, it's just a bunch of animal heads. It's not worth it if you're just driving through, unless you have to go to the bathroom. They had a fine facility. But it got me thinking and wondering who this Wild Bill is, and I'm driving and start, start listening to a podcast. Here's the point of all that. Do you know that like back in the day in the 1800s, there were 50 to 60 million buffalo in the West. That is a lot of buffalo. You would like trip on them. Like if you were driving through in a car that didn't exist yet, you would have like buffaloes crossing you. You'd have to move out of their way. Like Jesus really loved buffalo if he made that many. Like they're underrated. I didn't know. And part of what was striking me uh, on this trip is like before all that, like our world looks way different than before, right? Everything. We, we've done a massive way of, of trying to tame everything and, and trying to like control everything, and we've kind of made a mess of it. But before all of this, it looked way different. And before it looked way different was Jesus. And as I'm driving... I found great comfort in this. That like this God who inspires our awe was before all this. And we know that. That's, that's not something new, but I felt it. And I think that was something new. Everything was created through God and for God. 
Everything. And then there's this part about the principalities and the powers and the thrones, who sits on the thrones. And over these years that we have been a community, you have helped me to see the impact of, of leadership, of powers, of principalities, of systems, of all of that. I, I've learned more about oppressive systems and how they really, really hold people down than I knew. This community has, has changed the way that I s- see all of that, and I'm so grateful. I'm forever different because of that as we together have journeyed into what, why is it the way that it is and who is this really meant to prop up and hold down and all of that. But a side effect of that is that sometimes these systems feel so daunting that I cannot imagine another way. And for me, I think I was getting to a point of losing sight of who Jesus is. Not completely, but how powerful this resurrected Jesus is, that it feels like by the day the systems are getting stronger, right? I mean, it just feels like they are just eating everything. Uh, and, and it's just getting darker and darker by the day. And if I'm not careful, I can lose sight of the fact that Jesus is intimidated. That God's like, I, I still got this. I was reminded of the verse that we've looked at together so many times in 2 Peter 3 where it says that God isn't slow as we understand slowness. He's not slow to keep His promises how we think. I think if you made a promise, fulfill it yesterday. God, it should look better. That's what my theology says. It should be way better. And Peter doesn't write that we should love that God is slow. We can still plead and ask for all of this to change, but he's not slow as we understand slowness. He's waiting. He's kind and patient, waiting for us to repent, waiting for us to return, waiting for us to remember who it is that we are. So I was talking to a friend about three weeks ago. He's going through a bit, and uh, we had a, a day together, and, and I was like, okay, let's start with what we know. We've had these conversations together, right? Like practicing Psalm 13. Let's, let's start with what we're certain of. And I said, so we start with the fact that God is good. And he says, hold on. I don't know that I know that anymore. And I was like, okay. What do we know? And he was like, I don't know that I know anything. And so then I'm terrified because it's like the most church guy in the world. And like, Okay. So let's spend today just searching our soul to see what we know. And we did, instead of reaching for really cheap answers that like fill us up with empty calories, we just sat in like, okay, what do you actually know? Let's go wander around both our souls and, and this beautiful park that we were at and Make a list if there's anything that you know. And by the end of that day, you know what God did? God reminded my buddy of about six things that he was like, you know, I'm, I'm certain of these. I'm certain of these things. In the morning, he didn't know that he knew anything. And he didn't try to convince himself. And I didn't try to convince him of anything. But what had happened is he just saw decay in people's life. He saw death and decay in the people that he loved. He's like, that's not right. And our response should be, that's not right, because God didn't make the world to decay. 
And he kept seeing that in people who should not be ill and, and was like, I don't know that I can call that good. And by the end of that day, he was able to separate, okay, I can call good God and God's creation and not have to call that good. And I had some of that myself where we go up and see family and, you know, I I think it's sabbatical. Everybody should be doing great so that I can just be in this great spot and people aren't. People are hurting. People here are hurting and then I go back home and people are hurting. People are aging. Disease is present. All of this kind of stuff. And when we're there, it can make us wonder, okay, does, does just darkness win? Does death win? Do these powers and principalities win? And then we're reminded, no, before all that, God was and hasn't changed. And we don't have to like the waiting, but he's not slow as we define slow. It's really, really patient for us to come around. I take great comfort in the fact that Paul says that Jesus is before all things. And in my personal journey, this is the part of these three verses that grabbed me the most. Before all things. And, and here's what, what strikes me. In our stories, in, in yours and mine, beneath everything that has happened and before everything that has happened, or all, before all the pain and the trauma and the heartache and the brokenness, God was there. Before it all, but also beneath it all. And that's really, really important to me. Because that means that before you were all the names that you have called yourself and that others have called you, there was another name you went by. 1 John 3, 1 tells us, right? This, this verse we've looked at over and over. Hopefully, it's starting to sink in. See what love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And because he calls you that, that's what you are. Is that the last name that you were called? No, it's actually the first. It's the first one. It's the one that you, as you were knit together in your mother's womb, it's the name that you were called. Before and beneath it all was God. Now, I've taught on that verse over and over, but over this last seven weeks, I asked the Holy Spirit if I could experience and know this in a place that's very different than facts. But can I know this at a deep level? Because here's what's happening. I'm trying to do the work, right? You know what I'm talking about? Trying to make sense of what's, what's mine to own, what trauma I've experienced, what makes sense of this life together, all of this trying to heal and mend collectively and individually, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's work. That's why they call it work. It's hard. But the scary thing is, is we wonder, what's, what are we in the end? What's left? Because as you're doing this hard work, it can be scary, it can be lonely, and you can wonder, okay, if I sort through all of that and all of this stuff is processed and gone, what is left? And I believe that I believe 
because Scripture says, but even more than that, I believe it because the Father defends the powerless and calls us as children. I believe it because the Son is redeeming and restoring all that is broken. I believe it because the Holy Spirit mends and heals and has somehow taken these words that were translated from Greek to English over all of these times and made these verses pop out into not my eyes but into my heart to believe that before everything that I've gone through, Jesus was here. God was here. And before all of these other names I have taken on, the identities that are both good and bad, before all of them and beneath all of them, I'm beloved. And if I could just be that, and if you could just be that, and if we could allow the Holy Spirit to teach us that, The last thing Paul holds on to is that Jesus holds all things together. So you know that I I move slow. I've moved slow for a while, but then sabbatical was extra, extra slow. And I realized throughout that that's a privilege and it's not everybody's story. And even just the normal pace of life, I realize I do get to go slower than a lot of people. And everywhere I went this summer, I found people who were in the same place, and that place was spread thin. Spread thin. They were spread to 15,000 places, not because they're bad, but because that's what life seems to require of them. And also, everywhere I went, as our stories play out, we feel like we have lost parts of ourselves along the way. And so not only are we spread thin across a bunch of responsibilities, But some of us is still back 20 years ago and 15 years ago and 10 years ago. And we long for that to be back. This week I opened up one of the news apps to see that there was no water in Mississippi. And there's nearly no water in New Mexico. And the water that they have apparently gives you cancer because of fires that were there a couple months before. At the same time, there's flood warnings here in Kentucky. There's armed people threatening libraries in Idaho, and that's just like the first four little pictures, right? But here's where I'm finding hope. In the midst of all of this chaos, natural like weather and unnatural like war and violence that we have towards each other, it feels like everything is falling apart, yet I am certain that Jesus is still holding things together. I'm certain that God is still holding it all together and he's not straining under the weight, but holding it together. I thought of us, I thought of you a lot over over this sabbatical and I told the story of us or a modified story of us to family members and friends back home And I was reminded as I thought back about our worship spaces and 1212 and our staff changes and COVID and everything that we've gone through. I just felt this deeper hope 
and confidence. But Jesus is holding us together. It's not some grand vision. It's not the preaching. It's not the air conditioning. Jesus holds us together and I can sleep at night. We're going to be okay. We're going to mend. We're going to heal. And I got to spend a lot of time looking at myself over the sabbatical. Not as a pastor, but just as Matt. Even sometimes not as a husband, not as a dad, just Matt. Even Matt who misses like little Maddie and trying to mend all this together. and Went back home to try to make sense of parts of my story that I don't know. Spent a lot of time crying over parts I just learned or remembered. Went for long walks in multiple states to do an honest assessment of myself and of God and I on this journey so far. Where I am is I know that I know that I know that I'm still held together. And I can rest at night because I know that it's not on my effort or it's not on my striving. I, I have a part to play. We all have a part to play in our mending. And we'll talk about that this fall and we'll start to explore that together. But my journey has been that plenty has spread me thin and plenty of me feels like it is stuck back in the past. But I believe that God is holding together and mending all of that within me. But then somehow in this beautiful way that only God does, mending me to you, to that the something is is happening here that reflects God's kingdom. You see, we gather in the name of this relatable yet mysterious Jesus, not out of ritual or performance, but because before things started to unravel, he was here. And beneath all the pain and life and tragedy, decay, God is there. And he's called us uniquely to come together because he's not flinching, he's not tired, he's just waiting in love for even more of us to find our way home. To remember who we are. To remember who we belong to. To let that be not just knowledge in our head, but let that be the core of who we are. And that's what we celebrate each week, right? With communion. If you would like a, a, a cup, let's see, this hasn't changed.